Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Jurassic World, directed by Colin Trevorrow and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. 22 years after the events of Jurassic Park, Island Nublar now features a fully functioning dinosaur theme park, Jurassic World. In order to attract more visitors and bigger investors, a new dinosaur has been genetically engineered by B.D. Wong. <laughs> um, and, of course, we just saw this. Um, it's out in the cinemas, and so um, there will be spoilers discussed in this podcast. If you want to see the movie, go out and watch it before you listen to this, and then download our podcast and listen to it. Yes. So, I have an idea that we might have disagreed on this one, because I yeah. really had quite a bit of fun watching Yeah, this. I hated it. <laughs> I really, I mean, I just... I was bored, like really, really full-on bored. I felt like I was in that cinema for about six hours. I have no idea how you could be bored in this movie. I was really bored. not feel bored. Do you know what I think it was? I think I kind of put my finger on it really, really super early. Everything kind of felt like the scenes were out of place or something like it didn't it didn't flow properly and the moments didn't happen the way they were supposed to happen and so it kind of threw me from really early on like the first Jurassic Park movie I'm not I shouldn't really be comparing them but the first Jurassic Park movie had this kind of real build up to the dinosaurs and this kind of really big sense of wonder once you saw them Mm. Like a really, and the first shots of dinosaurs with all the peaceful dinosaurs, and like it was this kind of awe moment, you Mm. know, rather than a, a, I don't even remember the first, oh, the first time we see a dinosaur in this one, it's hatching. Then we don't see one for ages. And then Indominus Rex doesn't get a shot, a reveal shot. Did you notice that? It does get a reveal shot. It doesn't. Yes, it gets a reveal shot when when the team goes in and discovers it can camouflage. There's this amazing reveal shot. Yeah, I know, but the thing is, we've seen all of the dinosaur before that happens because there's like that reveal shot happens four scenes after we first see the dinosaur. So we see like all of the dinosaur in bits and pieces before we see the reveal shot. So I already knew what it looked like before we saw that shot. I was okay with that because that's it was kind of like the reveal of Smaug in the Hobbit movies, which – I thought was really, really effectively done, where you see the dinosaur in fights, you see what it can do, but you don't fully appreciate it until it comes out of camouflage. I, I don't sh- know. I thought see, that scene that was so well done. I didn't. but And that's the thing with this whole movie. Like, And also there's weird emotional moments and weird kind of like we know what's going on and then it kind of tries to cut back to the awe moments of the movie rather than like building it. It just didn't – it seemed choppy and, and to me it just seemed like nothing was – was happening the way it's supposed to in a movie. So I didn't get this kind of build at all. I was like kept being brought out of the movie constantly okay, by so the way that the, the movie was building and, and chopping things around and not putting things in the right order for me. And and like weird emotional scenes between the brothers that came up out of nowhere and then went nowhere. See, I, I think the storytelling was the one thing that probably saved this movie because there's, there's so many cliches and references mm. and not not just to the old movies but to Hollywood tropes and you are never ever ever surprised at anything yeah. I could you can tell where all the beats are coming but it did the storytelling right I rewatched the first Jurassic Park last night and the other two that sit in the middle which are not as great and it it doesn't build very well it has a storytelling problem it just kind of builds and then we end quite suddenly. There's no real transition into the third act. And so that's the one thing that the Lost World movie does, the second one does properly, is a transition into the third act. It's not as good a movie, but it does the storytelling right. And this one does actually does a proper transition into the third act as well. Like we actually have the stakes build up. Whereas the end of Jurassic Park, 
even though when I saw it when I was 11, I was, remember being terrified and having this great emotional release and really enjoying it. Watching it again as an adult, I didn't like the way the storytelling built, but this one I thought did a much better job of it. And so this that solid kind of hit every beat that you have to hit. Like it, it was a movie in some ways made by committee or along the lines of San Andreas a couple of weeks ago where we just where it hits the beats it's supposed to hit. It does what it's supposed to do, but it's like it doesn't do anything special, but that to me held my attention and I really enjoyed it. So I had, well, really, I enjoyed it. I had lots of fun. I was taken along with the story. I knew what was going to happen despite the fact that the dialogue is execrable and oh they do my some God. really awful things to some of the characters, particularly I think Bryce Dallas Howard's character is so mishandled. And Katie McGrath, her character, the, the British, was terrible. By the way, there, a woman hadn't died in any Jurassic Park movies until that moment. There oh, really? had never been a woman die in a Jurassic Park movie until Katie McGrath gets horribly, horribly killed in this movie. Like that, well, that was actually excessively. One the, uh, it was one of the things about the kills in this movie. That one, and also, um, I nearly said Wilson Fisk's death. Not, <laughs> it's not who I mean. I mean Vincent D'Onofrio's death. Both of those were uh, very different from the first one. The first one, first all of the first three. When somebody dies, it was always very sudden. Like they got taken and eaten and they were gone and it, it was like a real death. But uh, both, both of these What ones, about Nedry? Which is Nedry? Um, Knight. Wayne Knight oh, Wayne in the Knight. first one. Oh, yes. He gets a, a great death. <laughs> yeah. He gets a little bit of that. And then the guy on the toilet. Like those yeah. were interesting. Like, they were. These but ones they, weren't. These were play with your food kind of death. It was like, yeah. you know how cats play with their food, play with their prey. Like there was a hunting element to it. And I get that the um, it's a different breed of dinosaur and that's what this breed does but oh no but the but the um katie McGrath's character was killed by um flying dinosaurs the the, the pterosaurs or yeah with pterodactyls no i mean she dropped her who got caught by the um the big um, mosasaur whatever the yeah yeah, so but but first it was the the um pterosaurs and the pterosaurs just seemed to keep dropping her and i was like if you're gonna eat her just eat her it was really weird that's what i mean it was a playing with your food death and i um which isn't hasn't really been inspired. I'm okay. I the mosasaur does not play with its food. I, it just goes snack. Yeah, I, I'm not it. so concerned about like them killing her because there was like the, the reason they were able to kill her was there's more than one woman in the team as as opposed to the other ones where they don't have any other women. Like, see, but the first one has Ellie and Lex, who I remember both of them as being really good characters, mm. right? Like Ellie's really smart and interesting and gets to do a lot, and Lex is like you know the hacker girl sort of mm. thing. Um, I can't remember the little brother's name. Neither of these – well, the older brother in this one doesn't have a character. Oh, my God. Can we talk about – I mean, the writing of the women was bad in this movie, but the writing of the children and teenagers was appalling. I have never seen such terrible writing for young people in my life. Seriously, the younger boy had was acting like he was a three- or four-year-old and he was clearly eight or nine. He was written much too young for the part. And then the older boy – was literally written as I'm forty and this is what teenagers are like. <laughs> yeah. Like this the kid old, had nothing. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't have that many problems with the younger boy. It was the older boy I had well, real I, problems. I think with. I had more of a problem with the younger boy in relation to the older one. Hmm. Like they seemed to be writing him like he was just this tiny, tiny child. And they even reference it at one point where he says you're too big to do a lot of this stuff. Where like the the older boy seemed hmm. to be um, acting like he was a f- sort of a, a kindergarten kid rather than like the age that he was, mm. and it was really strange. Um, but it, it only kind of came out in relation to the older brother, 
who was just like awful and and also where are all these teenage girls like every single scene with them for the first i don't know half an hour of the movie there's a pack of teenage girls right nearby and the older boy like shoves his younger brother out of the way and then just sort of looks at the teenage girls and they sort of look back at him and then they giggle at him for having a younger brother and that's how every one of those they scenes don't giggle go. at him for having a young brother they just giggle at him they don't even know, notice that, that he has a younger brother but that's the thing it's, is that it, it, it's having to like, be directly in relation to he the, the younger brother will say something the girls will giggle and walk off and the older brother's like ugh every time that's how I all didn't of those scenes pick went that up i just picked up the older brother kind of staring creepily at girls it seems like it's how a 40-year-old remembers back. being a teenager, like cr- staring creepily at girls and then maybe getting a smile and then having them run away. No, but that's the thing is that every time it'll be the younger brother will say something and then the girls will giggle at him and, and sort of I vanish. Didn't, I didn't pick that up. I didn't even – the girls weren't even did. close enough to hear what the younger brother was saying. No, not on the boat, but the, the in the line for the thing they were. Mm. And it like the, – but the, all the scenes worked exactly the same way. There were three – and they did exactly the same thing in every scene. Um, yeah. Um, but once they moved past that, they didn't. Unlike what? What are they called? Lex and Lex Timmy. And, yeah. To Lex and Timmy in the first one, who you got a real sense of the relationship and them going through something. Like they have this fighting. She's four years older, and he's a baby, and she doesn't trust him, and he's interested. Then she saw us, Lex. Yeah. So they they have all that fighting, and they actually go through something being in the park. And learn to work together to fight off the raptors in the kitchen. But th- that's what's missing from these boys' relationship. And I, it feels like it's the fault of the older one because he's the less strong actor. The little littler boy is sort of more able to convey. But the he's character. also written terribly. Um, and, but that's yeah. The to- the older brother is just. I mean, everyone's dialogue is terrible. Like poor Chris Pratt. He could have oh written God. better dialogue than this for himself. Chris Pratt. In fact, Chris if Pratt he, was bad in this movie. If they had, he was fine. But he had horrible material to work with. They should have let him improv. He was bad in this movie. I'm sorry. They should have. He was fine. He wasn't bad. I thought he was bad in this movie. Like, I thought she, Bryce Dallas Howard at least put more into it. He just seemed to be just not interested in what he was doing to me. Like, he didn't give me anything. I didn't feel anything from his character at all. And 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 the way that the boys, by the way, hero worship him after watching their aunt like save him from mm. one of the pterosaurs and shoot it and then they were like no we want to stay with him even though they haven't yeah, actually they don't, seen him do they anything don't establish heroic. that either yes it's terrible yeah oh. he's he's hard done by i actually felt really sorry for bryce dallas howard because she mm. got a really thankless role so what the first and second movies managed to do quite well was have three-dimensional women who had like a full range of personality with Bryce Dallas Howard, they've written this archetype of a career woman who hates children. And no. the point of the, well, I mean, the first I think one, she's Laura to- Dern, is this, she's this kick-ass career woman who has this amazing job, but she's also nurturing and she's also welcoming and she's... They were trying to make Bryce Dallas Howard Alan Grant. Mm. Yeah, mm. but it doesn't work because the, the, firstly, the history of women it's, and men in yeah, it's cinema too, is much different. of a cliché to do that and and the whole conversation she has with her sister judy greer about i nearly like threw something at the screen yeah me too. when Angry. judy greer said when you have kids it's worth it like like she needs a fucking lecture like it's so simple to just say yes i'm going to have kids or i'm not going to have kids like you get a heck of a lot of choice in that matter like there's a whole heap of reasons why she might not have children when she's whatever 35 like it's not you can't just say to someone oh you will and you should 
because it's worth it. Like, it's it so like maddening. They clearly had that conversation before where Claire was like, oh, I'm not interested in having kids because I'm a career woman straight yeah. out of the 80s with my shoulder pads. Oh, like, oh, I, nah. See, this is the thing is that I didn't find anything. There wasn't a lot in this to save me from all of that stuff. So for me, it was just frustration yep. after frustration. There's a scene in the car where the two boys have this like sweet moment where, because for some reason, out of nowhere, there was this comment about the parents getting divorced. Out of nowhere, right? Well, other so, than there's one scene at the airport where the mother says one line that's slightly hostile towards the father. Yeah. We have no, but we basically have no indication that that's going on. And we have no indication that the younger boy is stressed about it either. Up until that moment when he just starts crying on a train. This is what I'm talking about, about him acting younger than he is. Mm. Um, he just starts crying on the train about how his parents are getting divorced. And the older boy's like, yeah, whatever, fuck okay. off. See, and I, I thought the, the crying bit was actually kind of appropriate in that because you, you know he's kind of past the age where boys normally start to cry in public. And I think it kind of was something that got to him so much that he did. But there's no build to it. It just, bang, out of nowhere, starts happening. Um, And then, so the older boy is like, yeah, whatever. And then later on they're in a van and he is like, the older boy is like, we're brothers and I'm always going to come back for you. And I was like, oh, so that's going to come back and be important. In the climax of the movie, nope, nothing like that happened. No, they stayed. They never get separated. They the set it up, time. and then they just left it there and wandered off. Well, if they they don't ever um fix that bit. There's there's some really actually confused plotting of people getting into cars and onto motorbikes and things like that. Like they all get, she gets into a car, and the boys get into the back of the car, and they kind of just sit there for ages until a raptor comes along. Yeah. And I, I suppose they've gotten into the car because it's you know protected, it's safe. <laughs> but. Their concept of safe in this movie, by the way, is really, really strange. It's like they don't even try. They're like, go inside. Go somewhere that's inside. Well, then, of course, like that gets broken through. And then Chris Pratt at one point has a line, get the boys somewhere safe. And then two seconds later, they're all getting into yeah, a yeah. car together. That's what it, that, was, that was one of the ones as well because it doesn't make any sense. Like, where are they going to go? The whole island is evacuating. They're in a massive crowd of people trying to get off the island. But then, And then for no reason at all, they all get into the car together. And it's you- written terribly. <laughs> It's written so badly. And, yeah, and as soon as I got to the end, I noticed there were four screenwriters, and I was like, that explains so much. There been there was but, two screenwriting teams had a go at this, and this Colin, is why it's so bad. Colin Trevorrow specifically said in interviews that this was his vision and what he wanted and any problems with the movie were on him. So, like, he said that this is what he wanted. If this is what he wanted, then I, what so were you it doing? It seems to me, yeah, because by the looks of it, because it was a – and uh, someone, 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 and someone, ampersand Colin Trevorrow and somebody. That was just how this, how it went. So I'm getting the idea that the first two were, and they, the first two have also got story credits for it. So I'm getting the idea that they did a treatment and wrote it. And then when Trevorrow came on to direct, he kind of rewrote it Guardians of the Galaxy style. Well, what I've seen as well from interviews and things is that uh, he, it was his idea to have, to make it Jurassic World, to make it the park. So. The the original story seems to be something completely different, oh, okay. and it was his idea to have the park open, mm. is what it seems like. Um, also, the most interesting storylines are completely like pushed aside for much less interesting storylines. So there's a really terrific scene. I think maybe my favorite scene in the movie is a dialogue scene <laughs> between um, Masrani, who is the new Hammond, yep. and um, B D Wong's character, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Wu. Wu, and they have. 
this interesting scene where neither of them is really a good guy. Mm. One of them is kind of arrogant in one way, but genuinely wants to have the park yep. and to have that awe. And the other one's kind of arrogant in another way and is like, well, I can do all these things to create what you wanted. Mm. And that scene was really dynamic and interesting and it f- felt like it was kind of dropped in from another movie. <laughs> it was a really good scene. Although all I could think of during that is that it passes something I've yeah, named yeah, I the was triplet test. Too. I don't know why I'm calling it the triplet test, but I think it's because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does this well. But it's a test It's the kind of where two people of colour have a conversation that furthers the plot. And that was my thinking. I was like, how often do you see a couple of middle-aged Asian actors on stage having yeah. an important scene? Like, it's not very often that you have that. So, that was kind of and impressive. And it was good, like, and it yeah. was the best scene. And I think they well, might have been the best actors in this. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, um, it really – And the best characters too. Yeah. Because – well, that's right. Because they're both really sort of morally interesting. And they're not like Vincent D'Onofrio in this space just basically plays a cartoon bad guy. Which is, you know, what he does well. So He does it well, but I just still wanted to punch him the whole time. Yeah, I was okay with that. I, I, I was like, he is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He, he was. It's just a badly written. I mean, it's badly mm. written. He was yeah. fine. I don't have any problem yeah, with him. Well, if and Khan and B.D. Wong were absolutely fascinating yeah. characters because Mesrani's character, he's obviously taken over from – well, again, like Richard Attenborough's character was kind of interesting because he's this, you know, idealist clash with a capitalist, but he actually, the, that, the idealism runs strong and I think Masrani's character had that same feeling and Bidi Wong's character, who's obviously been around since the first one as well, clearly has this strong sense of idealism tempered with this urge to make money and this urge to push things too far. And yeah. it just it, They are really fascinating and we don't get to see any of that. Also, Biddy Wong looked great in this movie. Yeah, he did. Oh, you got to love a bit of grey hair. And the the like the the turtleneck thing was really working for him. Mm. Um, um, Chris uh, Pratt looked great in this movie too. I just yeah. whenever I was if irritated with him, I just were looked lovely at his as well. Clothes well, Chris body. Pratt, the styling of Chris Pratt was um I thought was actually quite fascinating because they the Harrison was, Fording, you mean? I, I and James Deaning as well. And in doing so, they they call back like Rebel Without a Cause. They call back to Indiana Jones. They call back to kind of. All these classic tropes of cinema. They even the motorbike thing is um, with the Great Escape. A lot of you know famous leading. I think Steve McQueen's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, calls back to like the famous leading men and all that. But yeah, I. I but never... she she looks like they both look like they stepped out of a movie from like the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. It look and it feels like that too. It's so reactionary that it kind of feels like it's a movie from the late seventies, early eighties. Well, I mean, it's less progressive than the originals. Yeah, back in the nineties, which I mean. Apart from the, the oh, of course, Beatty Wong and, and now that we know, although I mean, now we kind of know that the '90s was a more progressive time in movies. I mean, we we sort of know this. The movies now are not as progressive as they were in the '80s and '90s. Yeah, unless you go see Fury Road or something. But that's they're few and far between. Yeah, and that's why it's gotten so much attention. Um, but yeah, it isn't. It isn't at all progressive, and she does look weird. But and I, I have no idea how her character got to be there. No, I get no. I don't know what sense. her job is. I get no sense of her having any any sense uh, because with um with Richard Attenborough's character or even um if and Khan's character in this one you get the idea that they were wealthy businessmen with like a uh, royal society bent like they you sort of you know 18th century gentlemen who go off and do science in their spare time kind of thing yeah. you get a real idea of their science and their business and why they and, and the desire to push things I have no idea why she's here. I have no idea why she's running this place. Because she likes being in control of stuff and she likes spreadsheets. Well, yes, she's a control freak career woman and so therefore she's in charge. But I get no sense of her having like this back 
background in science, being someone who grew up loving dinosaurs. Like, is she, is she like her nephew? Did, did she grow up? But being she clearly into doesn't love dinosaurs. By uh, the way, she talks about. Yeah. Them. Why? So why is she there? That's the. That's a big problem. It is. It, it's just the whole thing. The is whole like, way that character is developed is just, well, it's not developed. Is, yeah. It is incredibly annoying. But I mean. Chris Pratt has to suffer from that too. He has to suffer from terrible writing, which if that allowed him to improv, would have improved it a thousand oh, yeah. percent. I mean, when I say Chris Pratt is bad in this, I'm not blaming Chris Pratt entirely. He was written terribly. And it, I mean, it is a very flat character. Like it's mm. not a character. It's a, I mean, it's kind of just like a sex symbol on this. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't have anything to do. No, he's just there to be an archetype and save the day. And, that's and then he has this it. like nice relationship with the raptors. I wanted to get into, which was the yeah, other most interesting idea of the I, movie. Yes. Right? So that's the second. There's two interesting ideas in this movie. One is the kind of pushing science too far stuff that they did in Jurassic, in the original Jurassic yep. Park with what they put into the Indominus Rex, who was not a good character, by the way, but I'll get back to that later. Um, and why that not has the adapted same way as T-Rex, stuff. yeah. And then the second interesting idea is Owen Grady and, the, and his Raptor Squad, right? Mm. That's an interesting idea. But they keep pulling away from that and like taking him away from it and then it kind of goes away for a bit and then it comes back in the climax and and by that stage I think most people and by most people I mean me are more attached to the raptors than most of the people everyone's attached to the raptors because three of the four raptors die and you hear you we could hear the people around us going oh no and then when the last raptor comes back and we're like yes yeah it was people were genuinely excited to see the raptors come back i mean really the best characters in this movie are dinosaurs and not even the main dinosaur in this movie it's the raptors and t-rex who comes back right at the end yeah and then big villain dinosaurs to roar at the end of the movie and i was just like she's like saved two movies Mm -hmm. um she's the hero of two movies can't we get her helicopter out of here like well, you know, she, she, it's her home. She actually belongs on the island. We've made this island. and Yeah, but she's landed on the helicopter. She's walked onto the helicopter pad. It's really <laughs> she's funny. She's the best. Um, but that, but yeah, like, that fight, the dino fight at the end, though, I thought was fantastic. Even Bryce Dallas Howard's bit where she goes with the flare to open up the T-Rex pen and runs. That's, I thought that was great. And that I was the, the best fight moment in the between movie. Between the T-Rex and the Indominus Rex, the, the raptors, the surviving raptors, and then the, um, the amphibious one whose name I can't remember. Oh, Mosasaur. Mosasaur. That that fight at the end where the Mosasaur and T-Rex combine to take down Indominus Rex, like that is amazing and really well done. Yeah. And I don't – that's something they couldn't do in the first one. The dinosaur technology just wasn't there to do that big fight between the dinosaurs, which worked so well in this one. Yeah. Um, they had so, a much smaller fight between dinosaurs that was equally impressive in yeah, its yeah. time. But. It was very impressive and it also obviously saves everybody because they, the raptor fights the T-Rex and then um, – and then they can all get away, but like it's that was I thought a really good sort of battle, and I thought and I did feel like the transition into that third act where everything really goes to shit like that worked. I think for me it worked really well. I didn't get the same sense that I got when I watched Jurassic Park of it being like, oh, it's over. Oh, is that it? We're not. There's no boss battle. But I think when I think of like when I think of Jurassic Park, I can remember literally dozens of really impressive moments, like really are, kind of iconic. Yeah. And and also I can remember, you know, characters like Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant and oh, Dr. Hammond. Oh, this is another thing. The the reason the second movie is watchable and the third one is not really very good at all is because of Malcolm, oh, is yeah. because of Jeff Goldblum. And they really didn't have anyone playing that role in this movie <laughs> and they re- it really needed it. Like I, I know they were trying to get Jack Johnson, Jake Johnson, 
um, the guy from New Girl. Yeah, he was Johnson. he was sort of. I think the idea was that he sort of played that role, but he has none of Goldblum's swagger. No. And he did, but he wasn't no supposed was... to either. He was just a nerd. Like mm. it, 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 it's not. I mean, Doctor Ian Malcolm is like the ultimate of... hot nerd. Yeah, and Pratt doesn't have any of his swagger either. No, because he's not... he's not a nerd. Yeah, it really suffers from the lack of Goldblum. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I read a BuzzFeed article before the movie came out that was like the reason that Jurassic World won't be good, and then it was like there's no Jeff Ian Goldblum. Malcolm. There's no yeah. Ian Malcolm. Like Doctor Ian Malcolm isn't there. Yeah, and he he's... watched the movie, and basically, yeah, that's one of the reasons why it's not as good as it's, it's... No Doctor Ian Malcolm in it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's why the third one was really bad in comparison to the first two. There's all these iconic characters, is what I was saying. Yes, um, and this one doesn't have none of those ca- characters to me are iconic. They have iconic mm. looks. Like that, I mean, Chris Pratt has an iconic look, but the kids are bland and pointless. And I thought Judy Greer was a great character. Boys. Like Judy yeah. Greer had a better character in this than a lot of the other people. Yes, you know? at least she has a whole. There's a whole arc there, and you can see the history as well. Anyway, um, and um, and the, the girl who was in the in the box as well with Jake Johnson had mm, was more yes. interesting. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like that. See, and the thing is, there's a scene where um, Bryce Dallas Howard kisses Chris Pratt. No, and Chris Pratt kisses Bryce Dallas Howard. Very important difference. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Because uh, um, she saves him and then he yeah. sort of lurches up and grabs her and yeah. kisses her. And it's terrible, terrible because there's no chemistry between them. And there's and no there's build to no that. there's no setup. There's an indication when they first meet that they're trying to do a, oh, these two once had a thing. But it. There's no chemistry and it doesn't re- – no one's really buying it. And then they kiss and it's really weird and then that never goes anywhere. But Jake Johnson's character – It does character, go somewhere. At the end, they walk off together. together. To the- but Jake Johnson's character tries to kiss his co-worker and she's like, dude, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. And he's like, but you never mentioned him. And she's like, I'm at work. And it's one of – it's just perfect. It's how the other scene should have gone. Yeah. It's one of those um, – fourth wall breaking things as well because in in movies and tv shows everyone's always falling for their co-workers and making out and things but in real life that doesn't happen because people have lives outside of work yeah but it would have been great to see that i mean it happens sometimes but it would have been right, great to see that doesn't... in the main storyline yeah. rather than the subplot yeah which was was much funnier but you were talking or I... if bryce dallas Howard was like i have a girlfriend yes exactly um you were talking about iconic before and that's what i was trying to remembering about the first one there are so many bits of that first movie that are just iconic. The water glass rumbling and this, the dinosaur footprints and the the goat, which gets a call back here and things like that, that are just, they just get rehashed. They've been rehashed in all the other movies and they're rehashed in this one. And this movie hits a whole bunch of ones from across all three movies that have come before it. And it's almost, they're just being repeated. I don't see any any new Stuff that, you know, the T-Rex's eye or dinosaur sneaking around a car. What's new about that? I also thought while watching this movie, wow, these movies really hate fat people. Because Nedry oh, in the yeah, first one. Oh, yeah, because they can't run. Yeah. And then this one, there's like a guard guy and Vincent D'Onofrio mm. who all get eaten in horrible ways. They just, I mean, that's yeah. just kind and of the, And the guard, yeah. yeah the, it's just because he was there <laughs> and not Chris Pratt and therefore not the main character. Like, I would have been perfectly happy for Chris Pratt's character to die in this movie. I didn't care about him at all. Oh, yeah, I would have been happy for either him or Bryce Dallas Howard's character to no, die. No, I would not have been happy for her character to die because I, that would have just made me angry. Well, that would have been it, awful because it would have been the only woman, right? If they'd have more women in the cast, you, you could have killed her But off, it's not but just that. It would have been even worse treatment of that poor character who Bryce Trellis, because she was trying so hard, I think, is why I feel so, like, Mm. she was really giving it everything she had. She trained to run in heels for this movie. Oh, my God. I know. She was so, there's a point at which she outruns Chris Pratt in heels. Yeah. 
Like it's really impressive. And a skirt. That and is she, insane. She like when she sees the boys again, she is just like pouring out all of her emotions for the first time in this whole movie. Mm. And they completely dismiss her. And then like cuz I mm. just this is why I just felt so bad for her is cuz they they do this to her at every stage of the movie and it all seems to be punishment for her early in the earlier in the movie just like for being, her being not very nurturing is yeah, what it's punished. Exactly. It's punishment for her being a career woman. It's oh. that's why it's a really uh, ugly old fashioned trope. Yeah. Um. Well, all we've talked about is the bad things, and you said you enjoyed it. Oh, well, so. I'm trying to get a word in, Sorry. but I thought I feel about this much like I felt about San Andreas. I feel like I had fun. It hit everything I wanted it to hit. It hit all of the nostalgia points and then some. I I just had fun. Like I think it's it's a summer blockbuster made to be some blockbuster and to hit you where it, it, it hits the right emotional beats and hits the right it hits the right nostalgia beats and all that kind of stuff and and it kind of ups it, it as a sequel it ups the stakes as you would expect but it actually I, I just thought it did it well and I I'm interested in the way the world is built I like the the idea that actually people came back and made the park happen I think that's. I think the whole world is interesting. I would have really enjoyed it if they'd shown us how that happened. I'm fascinated by that too. I'd love like a a bridging movie between you know the third one and this one, or just showing us the the awe of being in the park was done better in the trailer than the movie itself. Yes. Um. Although I mean, I still really quite enjoyed it, but it, we you know get what there I too th- quickly. I think. Yeah, and also what we should have done is been with the boys for a long time with them doing all their things without knowing about the Indominus Rex stuff for a while and without any of the – the or maybe the raptor scene can stay in there, but none of the other gro- – like the, uh, well, they see, bring in the threat too fast of well, Indominus boys, Rex without see, I, building the awe part of this is why people want to go to this park with the boys. Well, see, I kind of understood why people would want to go to the park, and there is that scene with the um the big amphibious dinosaur where they where the whole front row gets the whole yeah thing gets. But, but that, we, I think that's done but well. we've already been introduced to Indominus Rex when that happens, so we already know something bad is like we know something bad is going to happen anyway because we've seen movies before and we've seen the trailer. But the movie shouldn't expect us to know that already because we know in Jurassic Park that something bad is going to happen, right? Yeah. But at the same time, they give us the moments of being really wowed by the park and, and knowing why Alan Grant wants to build this park before we get to that. Uh, yeah, I think that was part of the background to the story, which is that people are have been coming here so long now that they're not wowed by it anymore. I know that, but the little kid is. And we – oh, that's another thing that um, – we have certain point-of-view characters, right? So it's the kids, it's Bryce Dallas Howard, and it's Chris Pratt. Mm. They're our point-of-view characters. When Chris Pratt first sees Indominus Rex, we should see Indominus Rex. So when Bri- when he sees it, that's when we should get the big reveal shot, right? Right. Because Bryce not... Dallas Howard's already seen it before, but when the first time he sees it, that's when we should right. see it. Right, not the reveal, which is um, the, the way it is revealed, which is... With, with Brian some... T. Yeah. I don't know why I know his name, but I do. Brian yeah. T is the, 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 the security soldier. guy. Yeah. So he's our point of view character. So when he sees it for the first time and it's towering over him, we see a shot from its arms down, not of its face. Mm. And then we see its face a couple of seconds later. So you're like, why did you even do the arms down shot before? So we should get that moment when he gets that moment. He's our point of view character. We're in his shoes. Mm. 
when we're with the boys, we should get the awe that they have when they see things. But because it's all chopped up, we don't get those big awe moments and we already know that the Indominus Rex is like about to be out or out when they're enjoying these moments. Yeah. So it although, gives us dread for those moments rather than awe because we know that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, although the um the bit where she scratched the side of her cage, trying making them think that she's escaped, that's I think that's a just great little bit of storytelling. Yeah. I don't. I think that scene is fine. I just think it should have right at the beginning of the podcast. I said I didn't think it was in the right order, and that's still what I feel like. And that's why I was taken out of the movie so quickly at the beginning, and I never kind of got back into it until right at the end. So that's my experience of the movie. Yeah. Whereas I, I was more excited about music coming up from the first oh, one. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, that hitting all the right nostalgia points, they, I don't think they even change the music very much. They just kind of make it louder and more obvious. Michael Giacchino knows what he's doing. He's like, yeah. that was a good score. I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah, they don't. He barely has any original stuff in there, which is fine. You don't. I don't. You don't want to mess with that stuff. Mm. And but the thing is, Colin Trevorrow also doesn't want to mess with anything. But he's kind of, and he, this is another um, delightful example of a young white male director getting a big blockbuster movie off the back of one indie feature. Like he's done one feature. He's done a couple of shorts and one. What feature. was his? Um. Oh, it was. It had. It had Jake Johnson in it. It's and um, Aubrey Plaza. Hang on, let me look. Oh, Safety Not Guaranteed. Safety Not Guaranteed. That is the one movie he's done before this. And this is something that Hollywood does. They get some hot young male indie director and they'll give him a big blockbuster. Fantastic Four. Yeah, off the back of it. And I think the lack of experience really shows. So the first two was Spielberg and the third one was Joe Johnson. Um, Joe Johnson directed the third one. And the third one for all of its faults, has some very Spielberg-y bits of direction. Like it's, There are certain points, things that Spielberg does. He never introduces anyone face first. You always mm. see them from behind or backlit or whatever. And he, um, he's re- he does a lot of off-screen stuff that's more, that lets your imagination fill in a scarier result than what you actually see. And so Joe Johnson in the third one does actually a couple of really good, there's a couple of really good beats that he, where he imitates that and it works quite well. And I think Colin Trevorrow has a similar idea about the certain Spielbergy beats, and that's how we see Chris Pratt for the first time. And Do you know what? I've just realised that he does that wrong as well, because what he does is he shows us his face out their faces, and then he'll do a from behind shot. He did that with Bryce Dallas Howard twice. Mm, yeah, so we already so, know what they look like, and so then he, he shot them from yeah. behind, and then it's the same thing with the. And he's quite. He's been given this movie off not a lot of experience, and so he misses quite a few of the beats. Now it does. It does pretty well because it's one of those fail-safe blockbusters where there's a bunch of people who've been involved making sure it hits certain beats but he's no Steven Spielberg and I mean you know he's had none of the experience that Spielberg had when he made the first one and it I think in the hands of a more experienced director those things would have been better handled I think he doesn't he's kind of like he's had and has an idea about what Spielberg does but he doesn't really quite get how you do it yeah he's green and the um the build and it's you know it's it's how they do directors now mm. basically they just you, are you young hot white and male and you've done an indie cool i'm gonna put you on a big superhero p- picture yeah and yeah and i mean i've seen that in a couple of other movies where i was like this person isn't quite there yet um mm. yeah even elizabeth banks was pitch perfect yeah, too, yeah, yeah you know like she did some 
things that you're like, that's that she crossed the line, I think. And there's some wonky editing of stuff and uh, things like that. So, yeah, it does feel like he is yeah, trying like, I mean, to imitate it, but he doesn't get how it works. Spielberg isn't perfect. Like, in, I noticed in Jurassic Park, there's a really icky shot of Laura Dern's ass. Mm. Um, that really put me off towards the end. I'm like, why did you shoot from that angle? You didn't need to put her ass down in the bottom quadrant like that. That is not not cool. Um, but like, it just yeah, he is too green to have taken on this movie. And then, and I think I like I don't think the I think the screenwriters are too are not good either. Like I think they're a bit too new to it all. Like, and he's written it himself with his um like producing partner who he's made the one indie with as mm. well. So again, not they're just not um up to the scratch that it used to be I think that these big summer blockbusters were actually done by people who were really experienced and really knew the art form but now there are so many of them that we get people who are really not quite as experienced as they should be but who've seen a lot of them trying to churn them out Mm. and I think perhaps if we backed off on them a little and gave you know, and and um, really only made them when you had all the right ingredients in place. I think you probably do a bit better. Yeah, I don't know. I I seems more charitable than I'm willing to give this movie. Just because, like, it was such a disappointment to me. Yeah, I wasn't disappointed because my expectations weren't that high either. Well, I liked seen... the trailers though. It's I funny the tra- how I was... much I liked the trailers and yeah. didn't like the movie. See, I was I liked the trailers. I just wasn't that excited about this movie. And even having watched the others, I mean. I don't even get that excited about the other movies. I can appreciate why they're good and I can understand the iconic place, particularly of the first one, and of some of the really clever bits of direction and characterization that they do. But I didn't have high expectations, so I think that's perhaps why I enjoyed myself. See, I, I really liked the didn't... first one. And and I saw the second one when I was in high school. I mm. remember going so to see it. I and had actually only ever seen the first one. And I, and I and until last night, I think the, first, the only time I saw it was when I was 11 and it was in the cinemas. Mm. I think I read the book of the second one. Never, I'd never watched the two in the sandwich movies um, between that yeah. and now. So I kind of, yeah. I mean, I do, I think the first one is a really good movie. Um, when she's holding up the, the spoon with the jello on it and it <gasps> yeah, shakes. Yeah, yeah, And like those kids were such good actors too. Like you could mm. see on her face that there was something scary happening. You couldn't see that with these kids at all. No, they just – and well, but it also – that's um, – Spielberg, I think – He's a great kid director. He's a great kid director. But because he came of age on no budgets and no decent special effects, he's really good at making up for special effects with really small moments, the water glass thing and the the jello on the spoon and the – even the um the brachiosaur sneezing all over Ariana Richards' face, like he's really good at um the really tiny human scale stuff. Yeah, and and I think when you have the big effects that you can work with, and the thing is, the third and fourth movies look leaps and bounds better than the first two because the third one was made in two thousand and one, so that's like when modern special effects really came of age because that's just post Matrix and around the same time as Lord of the Rings. Yeah, first one. That's that was when really modern special effects really got good because before that they just I mean the animatronic ones that Phil Tippett did for the first one are still pretty impressive but nothing like what you can do now and I think it's they're lazy because of it because they can do the big dinosaur scale stuff they haven't focused on the human scale yeah I mean if you compare this to something like Mad Max Fury Road which is when I saw it I was talking about how good the the um the grammar of film was and how well George Miller understands the grammar of film he's been doing this for 40 years yeah 
And and like you don't have to have exposition. This one had to have the exposition because we don't understand just from the from the action scenes mm. what's happening. There's a there's a part right near the end I got particularly pissed off with, um, when Chris Pratt and the two boys are all together in somewhere, and Chris Pratt's like trying to keep the kids back, and yeah. then the younger one gets grabbed or something, but they're mm. all quiet. And I couldn't see what That's, had yes, been this was another grabbed. Bit. I couldn't understand what – I think they were, sort, they were in a car hiding. Bryce Not, Dallas Howard had gone out. Well, they were hiding it somewhere. A car, it, car, it was like a store? Yeah, so they were hiding. I love how they exited through the gift store. Like, that was a pretty cute <laughs> little thing. But Bryce Dallas Howard had gone off to flare the, the T-Rex. Yeah. And um and they were sort of hiding somewhere. Yeah, I couldn't. That was another bit like the when they were, all four of them got in the car, even though he just said take the kids somewhere safe. Um, it, I didn't quite follow what was going on. No, I had no idea. what And was again, happening. I think this is this is the inexperienced director thing. It's not really clear what's happened and what's no. going. No, and there's too much fast cutting going on, and I can't. But see. what happened to that little boy? Because it seemed like he might have been in pain, but then he didn't cry out, and they were all quiet, and then they just sort of got him back. So did the dinosaur grab onto maybe it was that pouch thing that the brother was like hide your stupid nerd pouch earlier in the yeah movie. yeah which had maybe that actually came back and we just couldn't see it happening because mm. i couldn't i didn't yeah. have a clue what was happening then i just knew they were in danger i mean i got a better sense in san andreas of what was happening with the like the people in danger than in this movie yeah um i mean and well that's actually fury road not to I know we need to finish, but all those practical effects, there was very little CG in that movie. Mm. It was all practically done. I think that's that kind of helps with the human scale stuff and the storytelling in a way that, yeah, this one never quite hits. Well, one of the best scenes with a dinosaur in, in this movie was when that big dinosaur was dying and it was clearly an animatronic. <gasps> oh, the brachiosaurs. Yeah. yeah that was and it was clearly done. an animatronic head that yeah. they were connecting with. Yeah. That was done quite well. Well, yeah, because um, Phil Tippett in the, I'm assuming, Stan Winston's shop is still involved, I think. With the animatronics, and that was—I thought—that was really beautifully done, where they sort of hold the dinosaur as it dies. Oh, that—that that was like nice. And, it was, and, and also because they don't have much dialogue, Chris <laughs> Pratt and um and Bryce Dallas Howard actually—they just have to work with it, like you know, holding the dying pet kind of thing. Yeah, that was, and that was the first time you see kind of Bryce Dallas Howard starts to pick up some compassion for mm. the animals. But I think before then, she was actually like actively distancing herself from them yeah. so that she couldn't feel too much for them because she was running the park. Right. And I then, thought it was what they were going for, but right. it's hard to tell. And th- that's where that comes back to the early conversation about how we don't understand how she got there. Because even um, even her boss, when they're flying around the helicopter, is like, you can see in their eyes if they're happy because she's trying to give out, you know, metrics of, oh, our customer sat is here and now this is here. Uh, but because we, we don't really understand why she's become the way she has with the animals. Or we her don't, family. Yeah. We don't get to see the resolution work properly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we should probably wrap up. Yep. Um, three stars from me. I'm going to give it one and a half stars. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you would like to read Katie's review of Jurassic World or of any other movies she watches, you can find that on her blog at silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us one of the best ways to do that is find us on social media we're on twitter at screen underscore queens we are on facebook facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com thank you very much for listening bye see you next time